Okay. A chip is a long, square potato thing that you cook, you have deep fried. That's a chip. Yes, there you go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You can use our code ADVICES for some additional savings. High-quality performance supplements. You can get, like, bulk powders, everything else. Uh, check them out. Uh, David, we've got a bunch of stuff going on today. We have a ton of follow-up questions from the previous episode. Uh, we have a bunch of questions that were generated out of the uh, YouTube comments from the past couple episodes. Uh, and uh, and I had a question about British stuff. There was some terminologies I wanted to understand. So I'm going to flash some pictures on the screen later and I'm going to ask you to identify them. Uh, but before oh, we do God. that... <laughs> before we get there... Can I go home now? I want to go home. I don't want to do this. Technically, you are home. So there is that. What's going on? That's true, yeah. How's your mood today? Better. Still got the problems I had last week, but I have done as much as I can to fix them, and unfortunately it is now in other people's hands. And it's just shit, really. But um, it's beyond my control, so uh, there's nothing else I can do. It's just teething issues, but it, it's still incredibly frustrating. We actually got a lot of positive feedback. People were like, oh, Dave, no worries, man. You know, we know, you know, not every day is a good day. You know, we can appreciate it. So people weren't upset. Uh, I do want to tell you guys this. So, you know, Dave had a bunch of issues that came up literally like five minutes uh, with his company Eval with all the lab testing they do and stuff came up like five minutes before we start recording. And then he tells us how he's going to be working all night and it's going to take three days and he's not even going to get any sleep. And then several hours later, I get this. I get a text with a link to this. That wasn't several hours later. That was only the, the, that was days later. I want to say, Dave, that this was this was several hours later. I think Dave was it bollocks. <laughs> Don't talk shite, Mr. McNally. <laughs> what a, what a, I, I really, I can't remember the time frame. But I was concerned. I'm like, oh, man, Dave's still working so hard and things are so terrible. And I hope he's not too stressed. And then I got a link. To, I, what is this? What are we looking at here? This Christmas. So you got the Christmas actual, Cabbage's Instagram account. What's the, so what's the, how do you find him? What's his, uh, his name? Just Christmas, Christmas cabbage. cabbage? That wasn't yeah, taken, Christmas huh? Cabbage. That wasn't no, obviously no, no. <laughs> there is only one Christmas cabbage. Uh, surprisingly, no one else has decided to call themselves Christmas cabbage. I don't understand why. I would be a popular name myself. So let's see. He's got but going going. Look, I finished that work. I was working till eleven plus on a night and starting again at five o'clock the next morning for nearly three days straight. So don't mm. give me shit about I've been pissing about with Christmas cabbage. It doesn't. That we like have it. pissed about. We have pissed about me and Christmas coverage. So, but I see here you have, he has 20 followers, three posts, yet he's following no one. Is Christmas Cabbage going to follow people back or what's the deal? Yeah, but just he's, he's, he's just learning IG, you know, and he's got no opposable thumbs. Give him a chance, man. Yeah. He's only got three leaves. We've got a, we've <laughs> got a bunch of people watching live, guys. We're at the, the, oh. the live face. Well, yeah, Dave. He's got three leaves. Yes. I mean, have you tried typing with one of these? You know, it's not easy. <laughs> we have a bunch of people uh, watching on the uh, the live feed here. Uh, shout out to Leo Mayhofer. He is getting ready for the, I think it's Chicago Pro uh, coming up here. It's either that or the New York Pro. He just turned pro last year. Um, we've got a bunch of people watching, though. And guys, if you want oh. to, you can ask questions here on the live feed. Uh, anybody who's watching this on YouTube after the fact, comment with your questions. We would love to have some questions on the show. We'd love to have your questions, Dave. In fact, we got a bunch of good feedback from, uh, remember Chris? Last week we did a, a did. physique critique of uh, Chris. How about that, man? He uh, he was very grateful, by the way. He said, thank you very much. We didn't, uh, we didn't like decide, he didn't quit bodybuilding because of us. <laughs> that's good i must admit he was a brave man he was a very brave man yeah so all right we'll move on here what do we got okay so this is chris he actually uh 
He actually wrote back to us. He's the guy that we did the critique. He said, uh, thanks a lot. It was really helpful. Uh, he appreciated the suggestions, and uh, he's going to put some of that stuff into practice. He said uh, he has a bit of training footage that's on his Instagram and stuff, and that we nailed it with his back, that his his training is definitely he has a hard time contracting his lats the way that he wants to. So. Like I said, he was pretty uh, pretty grateful for uh, for our help, and we're probably going to do a couple more of those, but then we're probably going to have to limit it after that. All right, so here's our first real question. And I do want to forewarn you, Dave. This is the guy who said that your uterus was cramping on the <laughs> previous episode, which I thought was really funny. He thought it was funny, too. Um, okay, so this was something to do with our previous topic, we were talking about the different AIs. Uh, actually, I'm uh-huh. open it up for myself here where I can see it bigger because it's like this tiny little thing on my screen. Um, he says something to run past Dave. Aromacin uh, crosses the blood-brain barrier and is known uh-huh. to bind permanently to aromatase, a.k.a. a suicide inhibitor. Um, uh-huh. However, aromatase does not cross the blood-brain barrier uh and the brain generates its own aromatase in different concentrations, depending on the region of the brain. From what I've read, some areas of the brain are known to function optimally with higher concentrations of estrogen, memory, mood, uh-huh. sleep, sex drive, etc. cetera. Uh, now here's the thing. The aromatase turnover in the brain and the rest of the system are independent. So could it be possible mm-hmm. that with aromasin, that too much aromatase is deactivated in the brain while the overall system is optimal, such as an obese person with excess aromatase systematically? Um, what I'm saying is that aromasin versus arimidex could cause low estrogen sides that are CNS related while uh, lab work could say that the levels were optimal? I think that's a good question. Okay. So, yes, there is there is a localized hormone production and a hormone cycle within the brain that's independent to the testes and independent to uh, HBTA. Okay. Um, so, that, yeah. Um, could aromacin have an impact? I honestly don't know. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen any studies on it. I don't think I've ever seen it ever looked at. I doubt it. Because even though the two cycles function independently, hormones do cross the blood-brain barrier. Hmm. So you will have an elevated level of testosterone in the brain if you're on cycle, and you will have an elevated conversion of testosterone to estrogen within the brain if you're on cycle. Yeah. So I would suspect that it will balance. That makes sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense. Um, if hormones, i.e. injectable hormones, didn't cross the blood-brain barrier, then I could see there being an issue. But because you still get aromatization of hormones in the brain, the same you get aromatizations of hormone in your body. Um, and that would be accelerated with the rise in testosterone levels throughout your body, brain and body, um, with being on cycle, then the regulation from aromacin, I would suspect would be very similar and therefore would not impact in a negative way any more then you would impact lower estrogen levels in a negative way in your body. So I think you'll find that the balances are, are very similar. If you get your estrogen in your body too low, you most likely will have your estrogen in your brain too low. Okay. Yeah, that that would make sense to me. Um, we've got one here. I think this was about caffeine. Uh, hey, Scott, Dave, love the podcast. Can't thank you guys enough for the work that you do. Thank you very much. Uh, can Dave shed some light on caffeine and gyno slash estrogen slash prolactin? Uh, I gotta move that over. I can't remember, uh, which one it affects. I have had nothing in my system for years and something affects the puberty gyno puffy nipples. 
Uh, also, when my body temperature is high, just say warm weather, nips are puffed. Thanks from Canada. So the warm weather thing, we'll start with that. That's perfectly natural. Some people do get that. It's not gyno related. It's not prolactin related. It's not hormone related at all. Um, you will find sometimes a slight swelling around the nipple in, in warmer climes, or if you are particularly warm. Um, regard caffeine. Now, this there is some literature um, showing uh, rat studies uh, and caffeine having an impact on prolactin, but it, it's definitely very, very far from conclusive. Um, there's no human study in that sense that I'm aware of, though there are human studies on female where caffeine lowers estrogen. Really? Um, yeah. Huh. Now, what caffeine has shown is to lower TSH, T3, T4, and GH. So caffeine has shown an impact in those hormones, so shown an impact in thyroid function and thyroid levels. Um, I can't remember the doses off the top of my head, but it, it was quite significant. It's not something you're going to get from your daily cup of coffee. Okay. Um, and most studies are done on a single injection of caffeine rather than an everyday consumption of caffeine. So there's no real data on, on, on that either. And obviously our caffeine consumption generally tends to be daily rather mm. than a mega dose once in a while. Um, now with the prolactin stuff, um, so caffeine can increase serotonin and GABA receptors, which is part of why you get that feel good stimulatory effect from caffeine. So it increases the number of receptors and it also increases, huh. the, it's an agonist, it increases the sensitivity of those receptors. Interesting. Um, but it has a caffeine inhibits dopamine. So as a result, lower dopamine will cause an increase in prolactin. Okay. That, I could follow that. I didn't realize that it lowered dopamine. Yeah, but I'm not sure. I'm, the, the thing is with this, though there are studies supporting all of this. Yeah. I'm not sure how significant or real-world transferable they are. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I would suspect that the impact of caffeine on, on prolactin levels and, and thus on gyno, you would have to be mainlining the shit to, to really get it at a level where it's going to have a significant impact. So I don't think it will be a driving factor. And I think this will be another of the Simpson Novodex Lorin IGF-1 where the real world impact is quite minimal. It's funny because I was thinking the uh, exact same analogy. That I use that one a lot because it's the one most people are aware of. But I do think um, that the real world, there will be obviously exceptions and there'll be somebody out there that said, well, I drank shit loads of coffee and I got gyno and all the rest of it. And yeah, it's, it's, the science says it's possible. Yeah. But it's it's not something that we definitely it's not something that I've ever seen cited in a case study ever. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the only research I'm aware of are in rats. Okay. But there is there is a chemical pathway that would make it potentially possible, definitely. Okay. Hey, we had uh, some more feedback on uh, the last episode. I guess it was one of our uh, one of our lady listeners. This is Paige. Uh, actually, a previous one. She said, uh, just finished the bloating on bar episode this morning. You guys did. It was very good, especially the part where you talked about HGH. And she followed up saying that she just uh, started her first dose of uh, growth this week. I think I, I saw on Instagram one of her stories. I believe she's getting ready to do a national show this year. So she's pulling out the big guns, Dave. Good. Well, good luck. Um, good luck to anyone that's competing. I'll continue on with the questions we have from our YouTube, and um, I will actually I'll go to a female uh, focused question next, uh, and then after that we'll get to the questions that are popping up on the uh, the Facebook page. 
This okay. is uh, one of our our new Patreon guys, actually, and he posted this over at YouTube. So first of all, thank you very much for supporting our Patreon. Uh, every five dollars helps to support the network and helps me to pay for all the stuff that goes into this. Uh, what, Dave? Every five dollars. Every five dollars saves a fluffy bunny and gets a like. <laughs> you can save this precious. I, we should get a rabbit. Really, you saved this beautiful bunny with the five dollars. No, really, I do appreciate it greatly. Um, every five dollar goes to helping Christmas cabbage. <laughs> Female uh, women's physique competitor is going to use the last month non uh, aromatizing drugs like Winstrel, Anivar, and Primo. Maybe a little bit of trend for fullness if needed. Should she use an AI in the last weeks for a drier look? And if so, what is Nold or uh, is Novadex enough? Or go to Arimidex. How uh, and how much she uses test the other months on prep. All right, uh, I got some thoughts on this one. Well, I'll let you go first because I'm still formulating them. All right, it's it's this is different than the way that I would do things. Um, so did how long did he say the last? the last month they switched to these compounds uh, to the non-aromatizing compounds. Now the way that I've worked with really people in general is that I don't try to, if I want things to go good and I want at four weeks, things should be going pretty much the way they're going to go on stage. You know, at four weeks out in an ideal situation, that person is just about ready. And you're not going to have to make a lot of tweaks at four weeks out. I want to be able to start maybe even looking at like in an ideal world, we're going to be able to start reducing the cardio a little bit. We're going to be able to be able to even fill mm -hmm. the muscle out a little bit more because mm -hmm. I like to run a longer prep, you know, for a woman. I, mm -hmm. I would say over 20 weeks is not crazy. I'd say 22 weeks is, is a really good length of time. If she had a lot more body fat then how I'd even push it out a little bit further. And that's not saying like like killing yourself for 24 weeks, but, but it is working toward that goal nonetheless. So I just want to pose this. I feel that switching compounds at four weeks, you're already pretty damn close. I feel like switching compounds, you're taking risks, period. I would rather have started more like eight weeks out uh, and then rode those things in. Um, you know, trend to me, that's a little bit questionable personally. You know, I, I have more limited experience with high end women's physique competitors. So it's trend isn't something that I have used. You know, uh, we haven't needed to. Uh, the people I've worked with in most cases were actually already like, they, they just did, they didn't need it. I'll put it that way. Um, so I can't really comment on whether or not to use that. I know it is used, but I would say compounds like Anavar, compounds like Primo, I would already want those to be in. Um, could an AI be helpful? I would go to Novadex first, and I would have that Novadex in personally at about eight weeks out to begin with. And from there, if we needed a Remedex, then sure, you know, four weeks out, five weeks out, somewhere in there. Four weeks out, if you started Novadex at eight weeks out, then by four weeks, you can see if you wanted to push a little bit further, and maybe it would be like a small dose of of uh, Arimidex a couple times a week. I, I, I feel like I was a little bit all over the place with that answer, but uh, does that make sense, Dave? Yeah, uh, I think the question is more looking at water-based issues rather than fat-based issues. So Absolutely, yeah. If I if I assume that at now with the the longer period that you're talking, I mean you're you're looking at lower estrogen to add to the fat loss element. Um, if at four weeks out they are pretty much where they need to be, um, body fat wise, then the switching of compounds should be enough. Um, but I would be reluctant to run someone into a comp on on 
a female anyway, particularly on on what we would call wet compounds that close, I would probably be dropping them earlier as you would uh, and bringing in the drier stuff sooner. Um, but from a point of view of, of just dropping water, then four weeks out would be enough. But if you want to get the benefit of the fat loss as well, that's going to go from lowering nutrient levels, then obviously you'd do that much sooner. Um, if trend's going to be used, I, I would stick to 10, 15 at a push, 25 milligrams. I wouldn't go much above that. Um, I don't see the point. Um, one drug that is overlooked very often for women that I, I highly rate is um, A-bombs, Anadrol, Nat50s. Never used them with a female. They will bring them in very full in the same way as they would with a male. Hmm. Um and it can be a nice just 10, 20, 10, 10 at the push, 20 milligrams last week in on a physique competitor. Yeah, it can make a world of difference. Hmm. Um, but um, regards to it's very much judging the physique rather than saying this is your set protocol, this is what you need. Sure. At the end of the day, you're not if you're lean, you're not holding water. And here's my thought to, so, to, to kind of carry on with what you're saying. It is about judging the physique, not just about a, using a protocol. And that's mm. so for that reason, I would be afraid to completely switch up the chemicals at four weeks out because it's going to take time to see what that's going to do. You know, like I want to I want to be able to see that for several weeks and then determine, OK, you know, this is working or this isn't working. You know, even if it's the same person that you've worked with in the past, it's like you might not always have the same result. That's why I think starting sooner, you can watch what those results are going to be. And then you hit four weeks out. You've already been on it for a month. And now you can say, oh, OK, you know, this is happening or, hey, we're doing this perfect. We don't need to change anything, you know. Yeah, I mean, he's saying that she's prepping on test. Um the only the only other negative there is that obviously to really you're looking at a couple of weeks before those test effects are going to be fully dropped from the system, so it's only leaving you a couple of weeks to play with, um, which is uh, yeah. I mean, I'm with you on a. I think it's a bit short. Yeah. In time span wise, um, um, I wouldn't. I mean, I would have probably had the, some of those those drier compounds in much sooner. In fact, I would have probably have had them in for the bulk of the prep and, and not bothered with the tests so much. But there may be issues in that she suffers with low estrogen or, or struggles with low estrogen for prolonged periods of time. Yeah, and this just you know it needs this would really need to be a two way conversation to to really get to grips with more of what they're doing. But absolutely, uh, there's nothing wrong with what he's proposing for a drier look. Um, in, in that sense, but I would have thought that if body fat levels are low enough, then you don't need to start going with a super dry to try and make her look leaner than she really is. You know, it's when body fats aren't low enough is when we start having water issues and when we have to start playing around with water manipulation and tricking the body into thinking things are lower than they are in order to get that drier look. If you're lean, you'll be dry. Also, too, she's I, I'm guessing that she's already familiar with how she responds to these compounds. But like just on the previous episode, like Paige mentioned, we talked about uh, bloating on Anivar. So you can get like chemical causes of bloating, too, that don't have any relationship to, uh, you know, to, to body fat. Uh, and mm -hmm. those things, if you see those things, things showing up, you know, three weeks into using them, well, now you're already at peak week, you know, so. I think we're probably more on the same page than not here, Dave, you and I, and how we would do things. I don't know if I'd throw yeah. A-bombs in there, but but I trust you. It's, you know what, for a physique, I, I would I would put it on my list of considerations. Mm. Um, not, I wouldn't do it on a lower class, but for physique, I mean, we, we're generally talking when we're getting into physique and women's bodybuilding, we're talking male levels of muscular development. Sure. Or heading towards male levels of muscular development. And, and so there's nothing wrong with starting to, you know, people get very hung up on the differences between male and females. But when you're developing a physique that is carrying that level of muscle mass, you can start to look at it more as how you would treat a male physique. Okay. We'll move on here. And I'm going to lighten the mood for a minute, Dave. Oh, okay. I'm going have to. you got cake? No, but I wanted to ask you a Why question. Why haven't you got cake? 
Why haven't we got cake? You promised cake. You said there'd be cake. I have something very good. It's not cake. I what only you, came because it was cake. What do you call this? What are the, What is this? That's a packet with a potato product hanging out of it. What do you call it, though? What is that product? In the For real. Well, like, what, what do you guys call those? Potato snack. You guys call them chips? No, because they're not chips. They are crisps. Is that what you, for real, is that what you guys call them? Because you see where I'm going they with are this. Crisp. Okay. A chip is a long, square potato thing that you cook, you have deep fried. That's a chip. Yes, there you go. So you guys call these chips. Yes. And you guys call these produced crisps. Yeah. Is there ever a case when somebody in the UK would call this a chip as well? No. Or n- never, no. never. Never. They would call the the crit they would call the chips fries. Yes. Okay. We have got a little bit Americanized and that's probably mainly to do with McDonald's. Oh. Because McDonald's still offer them as fries. They don't refer to them as chips. So the fast food outlets will refer to McDonald's and, and probably KFC as well, to be fair, and, and Burger King will all refer to them as fries. Hmm. So as a result, that terminology has entered English language. English but language. I like how you those on the left are crisps. They always have been crisps. They always will be crisps. And not in a million years are they ever going to be known as chips because they are not chips chips no uh it is not my fault there is a country you fucked up guys comment below what do you call this because now i'm getting confused crisps it's quite simple it's no confusion here scott it's quite simple you lot just fucked up you got it wrong i got something unrelated the american the american language is is very simplified in, in I don't mean it's an insulting way because I, I genuinely don't but when you look at American spellings they are very phonetical they are very much how the word is said when you look at American pronunciations they are very literal in the way the word is spelt whereas when you look at English words we have much more complex pronunciations and words which is why you guys often I mean, a simple example is Yorkshire. It's Yorkshire, but you will, you know, you will say it as Yorkshire, but it's pronounced Yorkshire, um, and and that is very much where English differentiates from American, where American is is quite literal in in the way it looks at things. So, if I were to get a new job, would I say I just got heard? I got heard at that company. And you got hired. Hired, like yes, Shire. This is what I am saying. That this is the point. the The American at- approach to the language is very simple. It's right. very literal, whereas the English approach to the language has loads of little local dialects and changes and and pronunciations that don't fit the wording. I have a kind That's of why a, English is so hard to learn. I have another British question for you. Uh, oh, no. Okay, question for Dave. Someone who's born and raised in the rural South U.S., what part of the U.K. would I best fit in? And then we'll get back to our now, questions. would that, in, in American terms, would that individual be known as a redneck? No. Just because you have a southern accent doesn't make you a redneck. So what would that person be known as in, in America in the sense of the type of person if you're a rural? So you're a farmer from South America. You just southern United States, should I say, not South America. You, you <laughs> that's a Mexican. <laughs> no, that's a South American. You would uh you would say uh just a southerner. Any like a southerner could be a very respectful term. Uh so okay, let me let me change it stereotypically. Yeah, not wanting to insult our our customers though we normally do anyway. Customers, stereotypical. Well, do you call them our customers? Viewers, I don't okay. know what you fucking call them. Viewers, that sounds good. Listeners, listeners, audience. Yes, yeah, audience. So, I like that. Friends. In a stereotypical way, 
would you associate with a southern rural individual as being of a lower IQ? So would a southern farmer be regarded as being less intelligent, stereotypically, not particularly this person? I think so. They program that out, actually, like for news broadcasters. They program out their southern accents because people like they, they said I've even heard people say like, oh, because I wanted to be taken seriously, which is crazy. But see, I could see that. Yeah. Farmers in the UK are generally regarded as being well off. Oh, OK. So, so farmers in the UK are generally viewed, particularly down south, they're generally viewed as being quite well off, quite affluent, having decent amount of money. Oh, OK. It's not regarded as a, a poor career as such. And yeah. Now, farmers are also well known for always saying they have no money. But we also have a great sort of north-southern financial divide as well, where stereotypically, huh. because the capital of commerce in the UK is generally London. London. So southerners are rich and northerners are poor because we, we're northern uh, monkeys that, that don't have modern technology and haven't got indoor toilets yet and, and all this sort of thing. And down south is more sophisticated and more intelligent. Where I suspect that in America it's actually the reverse. I mean, kind of. You, I mean, you do have big industry spread out. So, like Texas, there's a lot of oil down there. But yeah, there are some poorer states. You know, like uh, I think Mississippi is considered to be one of the poorer states. Um, I mean, there's some big money in so, Alabama too. But I mean, there's there's money down there. But yeah, I think there is more of a stereotype, and there is a lot more of that. You know, quote unquote redneck. Uh, association so so from a stereotypical view then a southerner in the states would be a northerner in the uk so he would fit in the north that sounds like that's what we're saying well basically what you're saying is he's dumb and he's poor and so if he was dumb <laughs> and poor he'd be up north that would be the stereotypical view of it obviously there's there's plenty of affluent people up north as there's plenty of affluent people down south but Stereotypically, you would associate being up north as being poor and a bit thick. Uh, and that's stereotypically what you'd probably associate with the southern states. We've got a Carterine question. And I'm not, I'm not for one minute saying that all southern, southern states inhabitants are that. So don't start shouting at me. All right. So this question is, uh, what do you think of the usage of Carterine in between cycles to maintain muscle mass since it's not a steroid nor a SARM? Uh, would it be a, an effective compound to maintain and improve cardiovascular health while allowing you to retain more muscle mass? Can I say something? I good? don't. Go on, yeah, you can. I don't like carterine. I, I don't. No, neither do I. That's what I was going to say. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's picture is all fuzzy, guys. If we're patient, his picture will come back. You have to understand that in the north of. Uh, we, we are technically backwards. <laughs> He's on a dial-up modem, I think. Uh, and the picture will clear up. We just have to be patient. And we know what he looks like. So you can still make out the figure of Dave. You can see that just like the big blob. And you know it's him. Just picture, remember the green he, guy from that cartoon we were looking at the other episodes? Because he, What's he his is name? just a big blob. Uh, what green guy? Shrek. That's who it was. Oh, you can <laughs> fuck off. Magali. You really can. <laughs> I swear, um, if you ever get the balls to come over here on a plane, I am going to batter you. <laughs> we can't hear you, Dave. You're breaking up. Yeah, whatever. Mm. Um, hang uh, on. We were, we were... But just don't use it. We were supposed to be answering the... Pre we were going to answer the question, and you have took it away. But that don't, don't use it. Cardering question. That was the answer. Don't use it. All right. I mean... Yeah, it regards muscle mass retention, I, I think you're barking up the wrong tree there. Uh, well, I really do. I don't think he's got any significant retention properties at all. What would you use to, say, retain muscle in between cycles then? Say growth hormone. Training. Training. Who wants to train, Dave? Nobody trains anymore. Training. You just take more Training. And eat McDonald's. Eat some chips. No. Oh, don't. Don't. I want a McDonald's now, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> if you went to the window, would you order fries? Would you be like, and may I have a large chips with that? 
No, we do use the term fries. That's what I'm saying. When we order at McDonald's, we use the term fries. Yeah, so it would be a large kind of... Well, it's usually just a large of everything, please. Thank you. Yeah. I'll have uh, one of everything. So I think growth hormone, along with yes, training and diet, I think it would help. I don't think growth hormone is going to produce these crazy muscle gains. I know, Dave, you're not a fan of growth for size. Uh, and we do have a question about like maximum dosage on growth that we'll get to at the end here. But I think I found growth helps with that fullness and muscle pumps mm-hmm. in the gym then. And with that mm-hmm. comes better leverage. And I think it's better than than nothing at else. You know, nothing at all. Trent. Okay, you're just being silly now. You said you wanted to answer him, Dave. No, cardarine does have an impact in cardiovascular. So that is that is what Hi Wendy. Um um that is that is true, but I just I I keep going back to those studies and I know they were very high doses and I know they don't relate to what they use for by bodybuilding doses, but there is no studies on long term exposure. Nothing. Yeah. And for me that's enough to just stay away. Yeah, me too, man. That said, I did use it, but I'll never use it again. It worked. You know, I'm not going to argue with that. It worked, but I didn't mm, need I've, it. I've no doubt it works. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've no doubt it worked. It's a shame because as a compound, it it, it, it has a, it is useful, in this, especially with the HDL stuff. It is useful. There's a new form of cardarine out. Is there? Yeah, I can't remember the name of it offhand. Um, they're hoping that it doesn't have those negative side effects, but... I guess do time you tell. do you post stuff on Facebook going I've got something to tell you and then just not say anything? I don't know do you anything want to more them about it. I don't know anything more about it. And there's it's it's pretty brand new. Uh, I'll I'll find out for the next show. Let's talk about that. How's that sound? Okay, go on then. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. IFBB Pro. What's Wendy saying, anyway? Wendy McCready. She says, uh, let's see, female who has been on HRT in the form of estradiol tabs uh, daily post-menopause for a number of years um, begins to show increasing signs of joint pain and diminished eyesight. Would it be a good idea to supplement with something like DHEA to combat the influx of estrogen? Why? So normally eyesight is affected by low estrogen. Yeah. And you'd assault joint pain with low estrogen. So I would suspect, though also um, testosterone levels will be low if you've been on long-term um, estrogen supplementation. Uh, they won't be as optimal as they could be. Um, females are quite unique because they obviously don't produce all their testosterone in one place. They produce more of it at the adrenal glands and 50% comes from tissue conversion. So even though they'll have a quarter of their estrogen production shut down because they'll be suppressed because they're on the estrogen tab, they will still have uh, two-thirds or three-quarters of their their testosterone production potentially available, which is one of the reasons why in the UK we don't look at testosterone supplementation for women, even though a huge percentage of women suffer from low androgens. Um, So DHEA is definitely an option. Um, but the other thing to consider is, and I'm afraid to say it, and don't shout at me, Wendy, people get old. Hmm. And and with that, your joints start to hurt a bit more and your eyesight starts to get a bit shitty. Uh, and there is only so far you can go with supplementation to offset the fact of aging. Um, but um, 
I don't think that DHA supplementation for a, for an older woman, particularly a woman on HRT or, or on the pill, is a bad thing at all. In fact, I think it's a good thing. Um, and I think it's particularly in the UK, testosterone supplementation for women is very neglected and very misunderstood. And it's something that in America, they have a much better handle on it. Hmm. And I know some of the HRT programs in the States do actually give women testosterone supplementation for, for postmenopausal. Dave, that was a really insightful uh, response you had. Like, I I'm get surprised. one now and again. Yeah, I'm it's surprised. not very often. Yeah. I like Wendy. She's she's nice. You know Wendy? Yeah, I don't like you. Yeah, well, we didn't. I knew that. But is Wendy over there? Yes. Oh, okay. Well, shout out to Wendy. What else do we got here? How's the puppy, Wendy, by the way? She has a dog? Yes. What kind of dog does she have? A young one. Staffy, I think. Is yeah, I'm oh, sure yeah? Staffy. Those are cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a cute little thing. Didn't like my dog. <laughs> yeah? I thought you were a bit blast, what? <laughs> okay, so here's that question on uh, growth. So for max gains, how much HGH uh, do I like 8IU? Should I do like 8IU? All of it. Dave, the, okay, listen, guys. Dave does not like growth hormone. I'm going to give him some background in case they didn't know Dave's history. When I first met Dave, uh, Dave was finished. He had finished under construction to the film, and he was uh, continuing on. But he told me he was like, "I'm not going to take a bunch of you know other steroids anymore. I'm just going to run like a gram, gram and a half a test." And I'm going to do like 25 units of farm grade growth every day. I'm just going to ride that out. And um, Dave 27, lot, actually. 27. Dave <laughs> took a lot of GH. I remember, I remember hearing you say that. We were on audio, but my jaw was hanging open. Yeah, just 27 units a day. I get fairly tired. I want to take a lot of naps, you know, but I want to see how it works. So you pushed growth to as far as you can push growth. As far as I could afford to push growth, let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that were an expensive cycle. Um, yeah, and it did absolutely fuck squat diddler. Um, I'm not a fan of GH as a growth compound. I don't think it's effective in the slightest, and the science would support that from what we know. Um, good recomp compound, good put anti-aging compound good aid to improve recovery but how many people do you know start on growth and then increase their training frequency i've never met one um so my answer would be none i would say i like growth but i would not take eight units i think uh three four units is plenty I like it for even if you don't get actual growth from it. I do like, especially now that I'm in my 40s, I like the recovery benefits that I get from it and the just the general anti-aging. I mean, I can tell that like things like my hair generally grows thicker. My fingernails grow thicker and faster. Uh, I, I would imagine it's beneficial for the skin, though it's hard to say. You know what I mean? It's hard to be like, oh, yeah, my skin's much better. To, but to, to, to be fair... I ran Ansonum and I ran it at 6IU every other day for an extended period of time when I was dieting and I got a lovely recomp off it and I got, I felt great. Uh, I looked good as in not just from a condition point of view, but from skin quality and hair quality. Uh, and my sex drive was through the roof on okay. growth. And I do get a high sex drive off growth. Hmm. Um and so, you know, it's not that it doesn't have its benefit. It's just not the holy grail of of a growth compound that it's had attached to it. That That's my only argument. When you go on growth, particularly if you go on growth with insulin, you'll get a huge amount of supercompensation of glycogen and water in the muscle. You'll look absolutely enormous. You'll look full as a house, but it's not tissue. And as soon as you stop the compounds, you'll drop the water. It will all come out of the muscle. You'll flatten off. And, and it will just be gone. 
Um, if you earn your career by looking big and it's important to you to look big, um, then it's a very useful compound when you have to make an appearance in any way. And, and Rich Piana exploited that to the hilt. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's even admitted on a couple of videos that he would turn up at Expos probably £30, £25, £30 bigger than he actually really was because of the insulin and growth that he, he ran. Um, yeah. And I can attest to that. I, I've seen that effect from it. And Jesus Christ, yes, it can make you look huge. Yeah. But it ain't muscle. So it's all it's all down to what you want to get out of it, hmm. um, but yeah, I mean you know a, a moderate dose. I prefer EOD personally, uh, but a moderate dose over a long term period does have its advantages. Definitely, there's no, there's you can't take that away from it. But if you're thinking I'm going on a growth cycle, I'm going to put thirty pound of muscle on. No, you might put thirty pound on, but it ain't going to be muscle. Yeah, and I I think to to be fair, it's like. I man, most people can't afford that. You know, it's like it, it, most people can't afford to do eight units of a good high quality growth hormone. Like you can, but maybe you're making a compromise there because I mean, it is going to be thousands of dollars, even if you have really good, you know, a really good connection. Uh, you know, it's 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 not going to be cheap. I'd rather spend that money on something else like uh, a scooter so I could go riding with Dave. I've I've got to do my scooter license. I didn't oh, realize you got to get a scooter license. To. Yeah. Huh. We don't have to have a license here for a scooter. I don't think. Well, it's because it's a one two five. Um, so I was under the impression that because I've had my license longer than two thousand and one, I had grandfathered in rights that would allow me to ride a one two five. Yeah. Turns out no. Huh. Ours is above one two five. So I have to do what's called a CBT. It's only a one-day course. It's, it's not particularly difficult. You turn up in the morning and leave in the afternoon with your license. But so, yeah. yes, it's it's. I'll have to get that done. I got my. I got a license yesterday. I got my CPL. What's that? Uh, concealed pistol license. Don't. Is that a gun you're carrying, or are you just pleased to see me? <laughs> Both. I had to get that in. <laughs> All right. We got a couple more here. Oh, we still had a few, too, at the live feed, too. So we'll breeze through these. Um, at what dose do you think Cytomel becomes detrimental to your physique versus rewarding for fat loss? That's a great question. I'm going to say it depends. Depends if you are using anabolics or not. I think if you're using anabolics, the, the 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 dose could be quite significant. Well, will be significantly higher. Yeah. If you're not, then the dose could be as low as 50, 75 micrograms. Agree. Agree. If you're on anabolics, you could probably push it higher, though I don't think it's particularly necessary to do so. You can get you could get muscle loss on steroids with T three moderate to high doses if your nutrition is, is off too. Like if you're already yeah. like, the, here's the thing. I think we have to really worry about muscle loss generally. And we, I've said this before, when your body fat is so low, you know, you've had to have your nutrition dialed in so great, your body fat's now low, but you want to take it further. So that means that now you're going to take more T3. You're going to do more cardio. You're going to cut the food even lower in that case. That's where I think we generally risk muscle loss if you're doing that and T3 is the tool that you up and your food is going down even lower and you've got three weeks out from a show, but you're trying to get rid of that last little bit to get the fibers to pop out. I think you do risk losing muscle in that situation, you know, and, and that's even with a, with a moderate dose. But it's like the perfect storm at that point. You know what I mean? Mm. I think T3, GH and Clen has a nice fat loss synergy i would agree which means you can run much lower doses of all three uh and get a result that is greater than some of its parts so to speak i like that let's see do you have something else dave no no i was i was i was waiting in anticipation for the next question all right question for the next podcast regarding microdosing of ampules is it safe to split 250 milligram amp into four doses and store them in syringes? 
um, or they must be stored in a sterile vial, uh, or is this not practical at all, and once the ampules are broken, the steroids will be contaminated? Um, a, a syringe is a sterile vial, or it should be. I think once you crack it open, it's exposed to air and it's no longer sterile. Yeah, but if you're transferring from an ampule to a sterile vial, you're going to have to expose it to air anyway. So there's yeah. no loss in that. Um, so there's no difference between having a sterile vial, i.e. a gear vial, like that sort of thing. Whoa, Dave. Whoa. You just got us demonetized. I, I just showed drugs on stage. Why did I get you demonetized? We don't get fucking money anyway. Fuck off. Oh, yeah, no, that's right. About <laughs> no, don't come with that bullshit. <laughs> Um, my whole YouTube channel, which some videos have reasonable numbers of view, I think turned me about $23 in about five years. <laughs> um, so don't, don't come. That's better. Board. That's better anyway. than this show is done as far as generating money goes. <laughs> but, um, yes. Um, if you're transferring, you can, a syringe is going to be as sterile as a vial. So the fact that you open and expose it to air, draw it up and into a thing. And at that point, the sterility of that drug is would go into your body anyway. So the compromisation from exposure to air is no worse than you would get if you were injecting it all straight away. So yeah. as long as it goes into a, a, a clean, sterile syringe and needle, the sterility is no more compromised than it would be if you were injecting it. So you're fine. Fair enough. You can fill four vials and throw it in the fridge. Yes, fine. Not a problem. All right, we've got a few questions on the live feed, which we'll nail those out now. Um, I should have told people to subscribe to the show at the beginning, Dave. You should, but then you're not professional and you're a slack ass, so I've just got used to you. Thanks. And we can we can ban Dallas Paul from the show. Dallas Paul? Why? Yeah, because they're crisps. Oh. They are not chips. <laughs> Dallas actually had a question for us. He's also one of our Patreon guys, by the way. So Dallas Ooh. is staying. Dallas is staying. Okay, he, right? can, he, can, he can stay because he's bought his way into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, creatine levels barely out of range on blood work. Um, I've heard that's normal with creatine supplements and uh, intense training. Uh, prior to blood draw, my doctor wants me to see a kidney specialist. Should I just drop creatine or take three to four days? Uh, I think it means off prior to the next blood draw before uh, seeing a specialist. First of all, it's not creatine. Creatine is a supplement's creatinine. They are two different things. So creatine won't show up on creatinine ah, testing? No, I didn't say that. I didn't say that, but they are two different things. Creatinine will elevate creatinine levels, yes. Okay. Also, will a high-protein meal prior to testing? Um, creatinine levels are very sensitive to one protein intake and very sensitive to hydration. So your creatinine levels will easily spike if you are slightly dehydrated. Mm. Um, now, what he's saying is they are just slightly out of range. Okay, yep. barely out of range. What was his urea like and what was his EGFR like? Because there would be there's more of a complete picture need telling here. What what would be so, what would be a bad or what would be a, a good thing with those two levels? Like what well, should you be looking for? EGFR in a in a ranges vary, so I'll only talk on UK ones. I think America's very similar actually. So generally, most people regard as a level of EGFR above 60 as being okay. I think that's the same here, too. Uh, technically, any level below 90 is classed as kidney dysfunction. Okay. Uh, but most work on the 60 threshold. Not many work on the 90 threshold. Um, so... Now, again, EGFR is only an estimation. It's not an accurate figure, and it is based on your creatinine and your urea levels. Um, urea will generally elevate, as will creatinine, with high protein, dehydration. So you've got to be a little bit careful. You've got to make sure you're fully hydrated. Uh, 
and you've got to sort of take it in its completeness. Having said that, do not dismiss EGFR levels that are in the 60s. It is it is need for concern, and I would recommend that you do look. If your EGFR drops below 60, that you do look at more thorough testing to see exactly what your real kidney function is. Okay. Um, for his doctor to want to get a kidney specialist based just purely on his creatinine levels, I find it a little bit strange. Dude, I had a doctor tell me that my kidneys were shutting down. He was like, you're killing yourself. Your kidneys are going to fail. Your liver is going to fail. And I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And this is like early into bodybuilding. I was like, oh, my God. I can't believe this. I can't bodybuild anymore. And then the nurse came in. And she was like, oh, he's just trying to scare you. These numbers are fine. She was like, we're not worried until the number gets to here. And I'm like, way down there, you know. So I, I yeah. would definitely, I mean, you never know. But some doctors, they have no idea. They have, And it's not even about people who use steroids, but just athletes. Some doctors don't know how to look at an athlete's labs. Mm. I We generally, as a general rule, we work on the upper threshold for creatinine for an athlete being 120 rather than 104, which I think is what it, it normally is. Okay. Um, and it's very common in bloods for me to see urea elevated. Um, yeah. Very common to see urea 7.8, 8.2, up those sort of ends. Um but if, I, if an EGFR was 60 or below, I would I would immediately recommend support. Um, however, a big influencing factor in those results, and these are very sensitive to this, is how long the sample has been sat hmm. from the point of view of draw to the point of view of being checked. So... If a, so this is where we, we see very often with postal results that uh, in general their kidney function will be marked as being lower, and that's because of the time in transit. Um, so the, the, uh, the kidney function tests are very sensitive to time in transit, where if you get a, a test done quite rapidly post-withdrawal or the sample's frozen and then dealt with at a later date, you'll find that kidney functions will generally be much better. Hmm. even though it's the same person and the blood drawn at the same time. All right. We'll move on here because we have a few more. Um, let's see. There was Dallas. Here was another one. Uh, Scott, can you elaborate on how many grams of fruit, how many grams of carbs from fruit uh, you used uh, with your DMP dose? S2H seems to keep it keep that part very quiet honestly to be i can't remember uh what he had me do he had a very specific plan and it was very specific fruits too a lot of it was melons um he had this plan uh s2h dave from our blood sweat and gear podcast that used very specific nutrients uh very specific supplements and very specific carbs all from fruits with a high protein, basically low, low fat diet to use during a very short, like I did a five day DMP run using that diet and it worked really well, but it was something that we got a zillion questions about and he never wanted to really disclose the whole thing. And I can't even remember now. And he probably wouldn't want me to talk too much about it either. Honestly, he doesn't want to advocate DMP use is what it comes down to too. What's up? What are you doing? My wife has just stood behind the, the monitor screen, showing me her boobies and jumping up and down while you were talking. <laughs> this is the best podcast I've ever done. <laughs> Your face is turning red now, isn't it, that you told us? She She's hiding. She's dying over there now. I bet. Uh, she came down to, to find out how long I was going to be because I presume there is food on the offering. Oh, what kind of ask her what kind of food is there? What kind of food apparently I have to ask you? Chicken and potatoes. Ooh, that sounds good. I got an and air fryer. Salad. Ooh. Well, we don't need the salad. Your flash kit with your air fryer. Oh. You get it you ever you ever uh use an air fryer? No, but I I I have had several people tell me that they are wonderful. We have a 
surprising for the size of our house, our kitchen is very, very small. Yeah. And there is not a lot of storage and there is not a lot of counter surface, which makes things like that awkward because there's just nowhere to fucking put the bloody things. Mm, yeah. I have a lot of room in my kitchen and I'm the only person here. So I bought an air fryer. I don't even know how to that's use cause it. You've got no, that's because you've got no friends. That's that's true, Dave. You're my friend. I know. You're my no, best friend, Dave. No, I'm not. Good acquaintance. I'm not your friend. I'm your legally registered carer, but I am not your friend. <laughs> Leo asks, um, pathway reason why why super draw can lead to gyno. I didn't know it could, if I'm quite honest. Yeah. Hmm? Is it progesterone? I don't know. I genuinely don't know. Okay, fair enough. Um, what? Obviously, this is probably an experience they've had. Uh, I've heard of this. So, if we, okay, I'll have to look into that. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Um, Ten, fifteen minutes. Let's see. Find the next one while I say that my lungs are improving. Dave doesn't ask, so I'll, I'll tell you guys. Yes. My lungs are improving. Um, I I don't ask because I don't care. I know, I know. Uh, Travis James asked about uh, IP six. That's what the and it does work very well. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I I think I think that's wait. Is there one more? Okay, here we go. We'll make this the last one. Lower wait longer cycles with lower doses versus shorter cycles in higher doses. Pros and cons. For both and preference on both from both of you. Thanks. Okay. Higher doses and longer cycles. <laughs> oh, Dave. That was not an option. <laughs> Dave is so difficult sometimes. Uh, um very much depends on the person. So Schick or super high intensity courses, as they were coined. Uh, where you do a high dose for a short period of time, can be very effective in and out. Probably a shiki is more effective for somebody who's who's more strength-based. Mm. Um, to be honest, I'm not particularly a fan of either. I would prefer a um, – I think a cycle needs to be a certain length because I think you just get into the rhythm of growing and you just get everything nailed down and then – if you're doing a short cycle, like a six-week cycle, you're coming off again, and it's completely pointless. If you're going to shut yourself down and you're going to put yourself in that position, then make some hay while the sun's shining and have a decent length cycle in there. And for a decent length, 10, 12, 14, even 16 weeks, I think when you start going beyond that, it's difficult for a lot of people to maintain progress from a point of view of linear progress, i.e. progressively increasing food, progressively increasing the training, progressively increasing size. And and I also think that uh, you start to get side effects that will start to manifest in a problematic way. Mm. Um, the low grumble is sort of still having health implications. They do take longer to manifest, but it's not really giving you the return that you would expect. You know, if you're talking, if you, t- I mean, a lot depends on what you're talking by low dose. Yeah, but. If you're talking like a 250 mig test as your low dose and you're going to run that for 30 weeks, I don't see any real point in that whatsoever. All yeah. you're going to end up with is, 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 is thickening of the blood, lowering of HDL, and you're not really going to get huge amounts of growth and benefits from it. Whereas if you low dose, you're talking 500 mig, so we're in a range where we know we're going to get good results. Yeah. I still wouldn't like to go beyond the 16-week mark in most cases. Um, but there is an element of, of just listening and, and reacting to your feedback. I've done cycles that have been much longer than 16 weeks and felt good and continued to progress for quite an extended period of time. Um, I've done cycles where at 10, 11 weeks, I'm starting to get problems and I know I'm already toxic and I need to come off. Um, so I do think a lot is, and a lot is based on how healthy you are and how fit you are when you start. If, if you're fit mm. and healthy when you start, you're in a good position, you, you'll endure a much longer cycle than if you've just done two cycles and you're on your third one for the year. You're probably going to find that 
you know, eight, ten weeks in, you're probably going to be hitting that that limit when it comes to how you feel. Yeah, I, here's something I've noticed lately is it depends on the person as far as their experience level. I found mm-hmm. that for somebody who's really plugged in, let's take a competitor who's been competing a number of years. They've had a really structured off season and they can handle that. They, they're going to make better gains off of a 20 week cycle than a new guy. You take a new guy who doesn't have a ton of experience and to ask him to bust his butt for 20 weeks straight, the likelihood of him being really excited for the first 10 weeks. And then from there, here's what I find. Oh man, you know what? Uh, it was the holiday and uh, I had taken you know Easter off. And then the next day, uh, my wife wanted to go to the restaurant and I kind of fucked up on the diet for the rest of the week. Uh, and it was nice. So I was working outside. I didn't really get to the gym, but this week I'm going to plug back in. If you do an eight week or a 10 week cycle, the likelihood of having one of those weeks is a lot more slim. You start doing like a longer 16, 20 week cycle for that person who's not as experienced. He's going to probably have a few weeks in there that are, that are going to be kind of shitty. So I think depending on the individual, I, uh, I think that that's one factor that I maybe didn't consider in the past. I would say, though, mm-hmm. I agree too short. I think that you do limit yourself. Uh, shortest cycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, you could probably make some progress in six weeks, but I would say eight to ten would be a good length of time for a shorter cycle. And then at the longest, you know, 16 to 20. And, of course, that depends, too, on, on how, like you said, Dave, how healthy is that person? That's going to make a, a, a vast difference. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of the slow, the slow, the the slow and steady. Um, but at the same time, I'm not a fan of the shotgun approach either. Though I find the shotgun approach can be useful for strength athletes. Yeah, I could see that. You can you can get some quite good strength gains on a short blast running into a comp. Yeah. Um, and I, I actually tend to build my strength cycles a bit like that. That we have a, a steady, prolonged start. And then a rapid ramp up last four weeks. How do you say a Z with that little thing over top of it? I have no idea. I don't either. I, I would presume know. it's is z, 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 I mean, I would just pronounce that as Zigar Sitar. That sounds about right. You probably did better. Than um, me. I want to go Ziga Ziga Zig Zigar because of. Um, <laughs> a certain female group that I can't remember the Spice Girls. That was it. Yeah. Um, sorry, mate. I, I hope I didn't insult you with that one, but I just couldn't get that out of my head. Then <laughs> I never heard that, but it was still funny to hear you say, all right, we'll get out of here. Well, what? Yes, we'll get, we'll get out of here. Cause Dave has some chicken to eat, uh, chicken and chips. He's got chicken and chicken and chips to eat. I have potatoes. I do not have chips. I would much prefer to have chips, but I'm not allowed chips. I'm being told, piss off your fat and get from over the room. That's why you need an air fryer. You can make chips in that that are like super low fat. Mm. Yeah, air fryer. I'm going to make some chips myself. All right. Uh, Since I forgot to tell everybody to subscribe at the beginning, I'll tell you at the end which everybody already turned the show off, so there's that. <laughs> of course, go to check out uh, Dave. Go to Crosslands. <coughs> I'll let him cough in between my sentences there. Uh, crosslands.org.uk. And um, check out our great sponsor, truenutrition.com. Use our code advices. And as I have mentioned a couple times, guys, we would appreciate your support. If you want to uh, support us on Patreon, uh, we'd love to have the network support there. And uh, I'll put a link down in the description. David. Scott. Goodbye. Goodbye, Scott.